Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast, Episode 10, The Vagus Nerve and the Polyvagal Theory. Today I am happy to welcome Mr. Joe Rich and Ayurvedic doctor, Victor Briere. Joe is a co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda. He has been a practitioner and teacher of Kundalini Yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan since 1998. Joe is a Kundalini Research Institute certified teacher as well as possessing a degree in healthcare management. He has a background in counseling emotionally disturbed inner city teens, and he's been involved in running group homes for at-risk youth and also has worked as an epidemiologist for the CDC. Victor Briere is a Ayurvedic doctor and is co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, where he serves as a Nama-recognized Ayurvedic doctor and Kundalini yoga teacher. Victor is a gifted pulse reader, specializing in Ayurvedic diagnostic techniques and health counseling. He is the author of Pulse Unveiled, and he is the primary clinician and the chief academic officer of the academy. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hello. Yeah, so all the, all the way from Italy. Yeah. So I thought I might uh, dive right in to the topic of the vagus nerve. And so I'll start with with you, Dr. Victor, if I if I may. What exactly is the vagus nerve and where is it and what does it do in our body? Okay, so the vagus nerve is that thing that they should have taught you in grade school along with your heart and your liver and your lungs, but they didn't for some mysterious reason. Um, it's, one of, it's, it's the largest nerve in our body, so just take a second for everyone listening and, and really think about that for a second. It's the largest nerve in our body, or it's actually a nerve bundle, so it it runs basically it's your 10th cranial nerve. So it runs from your brain and it, it enervates, which means it enters every single organ in your body, all of them, and then some. So it, your voice box, your tongue, all your sense organs, your heart, spleen, liver, small intestine, large intestine, all of it, everything. And it basically connects all these things. So, it's called vagus because that means wandering, because if you were to look at it, it looks like this big wandering pathway of nerve bundle 
connecting everything. So it's like a big highway through mm-hmm. your body. And it's so vitally important that seriously, we, I mean, everyone really should know about it. It's like just fundamental knowledge of the human body. And we'll all have one, and not only have one, but every mammal. I think we I think we lost connection for just a moment. So you oh, we, we lost connection at the point where you said that it's you know it's it's connected to all of the organs every in the whole entire body and so so my question is why why didn't we hear about it? Why why don't people talk about it? Well, I have, I have two, two theories. One of them is just kind of more practical, and one of them is a complete conspiracy. So which one do you want first? <laughs> uh, either one. doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take either one. Okay, well, cer- certainly anyone who's in any kind of healing or medical profession has definitely heard of it. So that's for sure. It's, it's part of learning anatomy. Right. Why the like, lay person doesn't hear about it is because... You know, it's not something that you, it's not like, oh, I can put my hand on my chest and I feel my heart or I can poke my liver, right? So it's a little bit one layer deeper, one layer hidden in the body. But we certainly do experience it on a daily basis. So we do feel its activity um, a lot. So that's the practical reason is it's just kind of not so in your face. But conspiracy theory reason is that, you know, it's, it's been talked about in a lot of ancient cultures um, all throughout the ages and people have known about it, but you know, it deals with such a fundamental sense inside of our, inside of us, our sense of safety and threat. Mm. that It's kind of been put in the background because it's easier to manipulate that way. If everyone were to do really how their vagus nerve worked, then we wouldn't fall for as much stuff as we fall for. Got it. Got it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the next question um, I have on this topic is, how, how does long-term stress and anxiety disorders, grief, trauma, how, how do those experiences affect the vagus nerve? How, do, how does that work? Well, I think um, this is where it's good to talk a little bit about the function of the vagus nerve so that we can get some context because, uh, I mean, your question says it all, right? Those things are definitely part of that pathway in our body. Mm -hmm. So the the vagus nerve, to make it kind of simple to understand, we can think of it as the mind-body connection in that sense. So I'm an Ayurvedic doctor, and so I always come from that framework. And in Ayurveda, one thing that you do besides digesting your food is you digest all your sense perceptions. And that's not metaphorical. That's literal. It's a literal digestion process mm-hmm. in your body. And how are your sense perceptions connected to all your organs? They're connected through your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So whenever we perceive something, so let's say it's a situation where you perceive something very stressful. Right then your body has to process that, digest that. It doesn't just go to a magical 
place called your mind that exists somewhere in the universe. You know, that's not how it works. What happens is you receive that sense perception and based on a large amount of experiences that you've accumulated and molded throughout your life, which becomes like your filter, we'll call it our worldview mm-hmm. in this talk, then you interpret those experiences in a somatic, visceral way via your nervous system, primarily via your vagus nerve. And then that vagus nerve communicates in a bodily sense to the rest of your body, telling it how to behave. So for example, if I start to grieve, I have a very physiological reaction to that. You know, maybe my shoulders droop, my head droops, maybe I start producing tears. Mm-hmm. You know, all in a matter of a second. Name a common food that has that dramatic of a physical response that quickly. A food. There isn't one, right? Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> so this, these perceptions, these yeah. perceptions of the world and our interpretation of these perceptions running through our vagus nerve mm-hmm. is more powerful than food, more powerful than we and it's happening to us moment to moment, second by second, all the time, 24-7. So, so that kind of gives you an idea of the power of that pattern. Yeah, it's it's like the um, the vagus nerve is like the great communicator with inside the body that you take in an experience through your five senses. And your perception of that experience is felt inside the body physically. And then that, that connection between the brain and the organs. So if our mind is in a state of, of chaos or grief or stress, then that experience travels through the, the vagus nerve, right? And then that affects how the organs behave. Would that be fair to say? Oh, completely. Absolutely. Yeah, in a huge, in a huge way. And so, or like, let's take a different emotional experience, right? Let's say we, we perceive something in the world. Now it's a perception, so it doesn't have to be objectively true. It's subject, it's a subjective perception, which has a truth of its own, but there's a difference, right? So I see something that makes me personally angry. It might not make the person sitting next to me angry, but it makes me angry. So that's a sense perception filtered through my worldview of how the world operates. And then my vagus nerve communicates to my body, hey, there's a threat here present. I need to get angry to protect myself from that threat. That triggers a cascade of physiological responses. The main one being my liver is going to start producing heat and acid. And then I'm going to, you know, have physiological changes. My blood pressure is going to increase. My heart rate will increase. My breath rate will increease. I'll release cortisone. All all the cortisol, sorry. I'll release cortisol, I'll do all my adrenals will turn on, all this stuff very fast, and then my behavior will change. Hmm. And and you'll make decisions in that state that Victor just described. Right. And then you get into the spiritual slash philosophical conversation that's in this day and age about do we create our own reality? Well, just listen to what Victor just said. And then go, and you made a decision while you were in that state. So okay. what kind of reality did you think you create? All right. So, <laughs> you're so gonna, you're going to create your worldview. You're going to try to make the world 
be what you you think it is and that hypervigilant state that he just described you you know you create that reality around you and then it just feeds on itself it becomes a cycle so in in a lot of cases you can perpetuate your own suffering by by reacting to the experiences right. yeah right so i want i want to Yeah. Just read about his stuff or look him up on YouTube. He he's great at explaining that to you how you exactly how you do that. Yeah, I have I have caught some of his uh, videos. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking also I wanted to talk a little bit because I think it's important to talk about the uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems inside the body and how the vagus nerve affects affects those. Yeah, definitely. So the, the basic human anatomy, um, or even beyond humans to mammals, I, I don't like to say just humans because I think it's important to acknowledge that we share this with so many other species. And what that means is that we feel the same things or in general, the same things that they're feeling, even if we don't. Maybe some people don't think we do, right? Mm. But to a mammal, a lot of these primal base feelings, I won't say, in, I'm not saying instincts on purpose, feelings like love, happiness, sorrow, grief, all those things, because we have this nervous system, is shared by every creature that also has this nervous system. So, you know, for a few like dogs, cats, cows, chickens, I won't go too far down that road, chickens, yeah, <laughs> pigs. Right? Yeah. Did <laughs> you like to kill any? Well, yeah, lambs, um, like all fish. that stuff. Yeah, fish. So um, fish are a little bit different, but you yeah. get the idea. So we all have a parasympathetic and a sympathetic nervous system. Um, again, that's a Latin thing. So don't don't get confused with sympathetic as in sympathy, the you know, state of feeling other people's feelings, or you know what I mean. Um <laughs> Sympathetic because of its location and parasympathetic because it's this nervous system that surrounds the sympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. like thyroid and parathyroid. Right. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the vagus nerve is part of the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's the primary nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system. But its special function is that it signals to the body when we need to switch into the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. It's involved in bringing us into a sympathetic response and out of a sympathetic response, which in a lot of ways is more important. Um, mm -hmm. So when everyone, when you're, when you're happy, when you're relaxed, when you're calm, when you're just walking around the world and everything's okay, mm -hmm. you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. That's kind of our default nervous system. That's where we digest normally, we sleep normally, we reproduce normally, or just have sex normally, or all that stuff. We have we go to the bathroom normally, all that stuff. Parasympathetic. Okay. Sympathetic nervous system is like a defense response nervous system. So it's built to protect us from the numerous threats we might encounter in the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which are around. But now think, you know, when when for the vast majority of human life we didn't live like we're living right. right we lived where you're walking through a natural environment and
sympathetic nervous system turns on because you need to either be ready to stay really still, freeze, yeah, let that snake go by, right? Don't mm-hmm. bother it. You need to be ready to run, which mm-hmm. is flight, yeah, or you need to be ready to fight. And so that's good. If, if there's a genuine threat in your environment, you should be ready to freeze, flight, or fight. And then the threat goes away, hopefully, knock on wood, and you're done. And your vagus nerve says, okay, we're done. You can go back into your normal parasympathetic function. Mm. That's how it's supposed to work. So you spend very short periods of time in your sympathetic nervous system and the vast majority of your time in your parasympathetic nervous system. But that's not how it goes anymore. Now we have all these threats, these perceived threats. They don't even have to be real, perceived threats. We think that this person's going to hurt us. We're going to lose our job. This is going to bad it. That tomorrow the world's going to end. All this stuff. Da, 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 da. And the vast majority of those threats never come to pass. Right. And not only that, when you're threatened already, you tend to see more threat than you normally would in the world. Everything's threatening, right? Right. So if there's a threat present, oh my God, now everyone's dangerous, not just the actual threat. Right. So we have this like mode. We go into threat mode and we go into safety mode. And that's what the vagus nerves in charge of. That's why it's so important. So uh, most people go to yoga class nowadays to actually move back into their parasympathetic nervous system. Yes. And that's how they use in yoga nowadays, right? Yes, and that was actually that from, that's, from what Victor just said. Yeah, that's a good segue yeah, into. We've turned that. We've turned the paradigm upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being in a parasympathetic nervous system and then just sitting down and meditating, doing some yoga, it's almost like a natural outcome of where we're at, the space we're in. We have to actually say, well, from nine to 10, I'm going to do this special exercise class, you know, yoga class, yeah. to get me to get myself back into my natural state yeah. of being parasympathetic. And then at 10 on one, I'll just flip right back into my sympathetic because I got to go back to work. Exactly. Well, I gotta go back to back day. to yeah the and world, then, and then we lose it again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's every, we flipped everything on its and on its on its head. Absolutely. Yeah. What if you get stuck, as most people do in 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 the world, the way we live today, in such high stress situations? You're almost stuck in that that sympathetic nervous state all the time. And what that must do, right, to your to your organs and your body, your mind. Right, but that that you know, even the way you ask the question is that's your perception, that's your worldview that you have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. You've chosen to live that way, and then you've created a world that's like that. That yes. And now you're inside of your own creation. Yes, you have to live that way because you did not create a lifestyle that allowed you not to live that way. So I'm not being naive to the needs of people in the world, but I'm saying we chose to create a world that does, is that, is that. So then we can excuse ourselves and say, well, I have to. No, no you don't. You don't have to live that way. Mm. We could we could be kinder to each other. We, oh, we, we sure could. could. Be more loving. Oh right. yes, indeed we could. So, so that would, what's that? That would 
would start to take you back into it. You would not perceive the world as threatening. Mm -hmm. And so you could relax and go back into the natural state of the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah, that's a really good point. Change the world in which we interact. Yeah, that would be good. So diaphragmatic breathing in a yoga class, say, um, for people who... uh, go to yoga class and they, and they are feeling, um, you know, we talk a lot about breathing in yoga. I, we take the breath for granted, uh, it, because it's that peaceful sensation that that state of relax is always at our fingertips all the time. And I don't think people actually know that, that they can access that, that it's within them. So could we talk about, diaphragmatic breathing just for a moment and how much how that helps yeah so the diaphragm is a very special thing inside of us because so backtrack a little bit the if you take the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system and you combine them that's called the autonomic nervous system yes okay so it's called autonomic because there's an automatic aspect to it it runs most of our functions behind the scenes we don't have to think about it so you don't have to sit there and think okay heart beat 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 if you did right we'd be done for so it runs all this stuff behind the scene Mm -hmm. the breath is special because it's a function that we can do both consciously and we do not need to do it consciously it's both so it's like a bridge between the autonomic nervous system and the just basic functioning, you know, aspects of the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's, it wasn't made up. It's not like, Oh, you know, a bunch of yogis were sitting around. It's like, well, let's just breathe. You know, there's a, there's a really good reason for it. And it's because of this. It's that's why I said earlier, a lot of these ancient cultures knew all about this stuff. It's not a mystery. It's not like some secret esoteric thing. It was just kind of common. Like, well, yeah, of course this is, how we control our nervous systems because when we can't just think in our head, well, autonomic nervous system, I don't feel want to be stressed right now, so stop it. You think that thought, it's not going to do anything, right? Right. So it's like, well, what's the what can we do? And a bunch of yogis sat around and said, well, we can we can control our breath. So if you could learn how to control your breath, you can tell your autonomic nervous system to chill out. Say, hey, okay, I know that there was a threat, maybe, but there's not a threat anymore. So move into your parasympathetic nervous system. How am I going to tell you to do that? Breathe properly in the right way. Right. So the diaphragm's all about that. That's why it's so important. Because most, probably most people, um, myself included, catch myself throughout the day forgetting to exhale forgetting to deepen and it's a very shallow kind of quick breath that I catch myself sometimes because it just seems like and yes that is my my reality that I create there's always something happening that needs attention or um, you know people work and they you know have maybe a difficult co-worker or you know they're behind on their mortgage or their marriage is not doing great and it creates stress. And yes, we do, we definitely do have the, the choice to change that reality for sure. 
But um, I guess what I'm getting at is how, how does the breath, when you deepen it and you breathe like, like we really should breathe, how does that work on the vagus nerve? It um, yeah. calms so it? Physically, or? yeah, you have your diaphragm and you know you can experience your own diaphragm motion by just breathing. Right. And so what happens is the vagus nerve attaches to and runs right through the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And actually, the vagus nerve above the diaphragm is a bit different than the vagus nerve below the diaphragm. Above the diaphragm, it has a myelin sheath. And below the diaphragm, it does not. And we won't get into that whole story. There is a whole story. Dr. Stephen Porges did a lot of brilliant research on this. And he's like kind of like the, you know, he, he brought this into vogue in the modern yeah. day. Yeah, he's great. Um, so he's a great resource. But yeah. above the diaphragm, the vagus nerve has some special functions for us humans. And below the diaphragm, it has some special functions. So the diaphragm kind of um, is this nice, clean uh, bridge between the two in many ways. And so when you work the diaphragm, remove the diaphragm, it actually physically alters that nerve yes. and, and communicates to that nerve, the breath. Yeah. So the nerve responds to breath completely physically anatomically, let's say. Yeah. Does the, does the nerve respond also to say rituals like chanting or sound healing? or aromatherapy, does that also affect the vagus nerve? Yeah, the nerve, the nerve responds to anything related to any sense perception okay. because it connects to all of them. Okay. So for better or worse. So, okay. you know, technologies like mantra or, you know, aromatherapy or all that stuff have been around, again, a very long time. One of, one of the reasons for which is because of their profound effect on your nervous system. So, and also the, the vagus nerve innervates the voice box. So by chanting and listening to your own chanting, you're having a big effect on that nervous system pathway, those pathways, and you're modifying the functions of your organs by doing so. Right. And I guess that's, that was, that, that's my last question as far as that goes. How does someone know if they're, um, how, how do they know if they're stuck in a, in a sympathetic nervous system response, in a, st a state of stress, um, if they're not practicing, like when they go to yoga, they might feel when they leave, wow, you know, that I feel profoundly different than when I walked in. Are there physical symptoms in the body when your vagus nerve is lacking tone or weakened in some way? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because that's something I love to talk about because there's a nuance there. Yeah. Um, in the language that's being created, because the Vegas is getting more popular, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, more knowledge of it, I should say. And, you know, a lot of it's about is your, your Vegas nerve strong or weak? That's not the right way to talk about it, mm -hmm. frankly. Yes, it's possible. It's absolutely possible for someone's Vegas nerve to not be physically functioning properly. There's disorders there's you know literal anatomical problems but injury. yeah injury you can have injury to a vagus nerve right okay. so that's one thing mm. but really what's happening most of the time is people have a functioning vagus nerve it's doing what it's supposed to do but we have what i'll call vagal hang-ups which are 
perceived threats based on our past traumas that we will not digest. We maintain them for various reasons. And so when, when we're walking around the world and we get quote unquote triggered, our our Vegas response is though we're under threat, but really there is no threat present. But we think there is, and we act like there is, and we will swear to high heaven that there is a threat present. But there's not. And so that's a hang-up, a big one. And and that will trigger the vagus nerve. And too much triggering of the vagus nerve will degrade your biology. It will damage your body, and you'll get sick. Mm -hmm. And part, part of the reason for that is that people have become somewhat addicted to their own adrenal glands. Yeah. That you, you'll hear the people say, I feel more alive when their adrenal glands are pumped up. So they don't want to go. They may say they do, but they don't want to go into a parasympathetic state. They want to stay adrenalized. They think that they're they're in control, that they're dominant, that they're productive. They're, they're, productive. Yeah. they're on top of the world. Yeah, they're, they're alive. Yeah. The yeah. 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 Think about all the expressions in our language that really mean my adrenal glands are like firing right now. Yeah. That's not, that's not parasympathetic. That's sympathetic. I just, I just said on a, right. I just said on a, on a podcast before this, that you can become addicted to pain. You can become addicted to the feeling of pain or stress or, um, and like you're saying, you, you don't want to be, Relax because you feel like maybe you're losing control in that state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you've learned to, as a coping mechanism, if you've learned to remain in a, a, a sympathetic state into hypervigilant state, if you think that hypervigilant state is what survived you in your childhood and your adolescence, and you've chosen to maintain that in your adult life, then that's, you're there. And you're going to, like Victor said, come hell or high water, you're, you're not going to give it up just because yeah. somebody says yeah. it would be healthy for you. Yeah. Because you think you're going to die. You, your coping mechanism says if you don't stay hypervigilant, the lion's going to eat you. Exactly. Yeah, your worst fear will not true. That's what it, your mind says in however many ways it says it. Right. Yes. Right. And yes. so the reality is it's not true, but, you know, it takes uh, quite an effort to get beyond it. So that's why I don't, you know, you can go online right now. Any, anyone listening can go online right now and talk about how do I make my vagal, vagus nerve stronger, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, you know, you just do this box breathing for five minutes and you're fine. That is not true. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying box breathing is not good, but that is not going to resolve your vagus nerve issues. Right or your autonomic nervous system issues. It's kind of the same idea as going online and taking like a dosha, you know, what's my constitution? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the way to go, right? Right. And this is much more um, deeply embedded than that. So, so to, in closing, what, what would, as an Ayurvedic doctor and as a Kundalini yoga teacher, Joe, for you too, both of you, what, what is your advice to people who are kind of, on the, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of on the edge of, they, they want to change their lifestyle. They, they really want to do that. 
and they want to feel healthier and they, you know, they, they want, they care about as they're maybe aging or whatever that they, they want to change. What, what would be a good, um, first step to changing that reality and, and, um, changing their, their course, their direction? Talk, talk to somebody they can trust and allow that person to give them feedback mm. that's honest and not to immediately start defend when they hear it because they say they want to change and I, I think it's sincere I'm not, I'm not doubting anybody but changing sitting alone and thinking about changing is not going to create change in you because your coping mechanisms are going to win. You need someone outside of your circle mm. of thinking to say, no, you can't keep doing it the way you're doing it and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. Right, right. So you need someone outside of you. And it's, I'm not such a person who says, oh, it's got to be a therapist. or I'm not saying not to, but... I just think if you really, if there's somebody you really can trust and there's somebody who's really cares enough to listen to you and give you honest feedback and who knows you, then I think you have to commit yourself to living and finding your authentic self. Yes. And you need, you're going to need help getting there. You're going to, you're, you can't do it alone. Stop thinking you can do this alone. Mm-hmm. You can, it does not good you any good to go sit somewhere in the woods or something by yourself and think about it. You, it it'll help you go back into your parasympathetic nervous system, but it's not going to help you get honest with yourself about your coping mechanisms and mm-hmm. change. Maybe and a good Ayurvedic health counseling session might be a good avenue. <laughs> I, I think that's an incredible avenue because Ayurveda is all about creating balance, but the important thing is You've got to trust the person you're talking to. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just start defending and denying. Yeah, yeah. get defensive. Yeah, yeah. get defensive. Okay. Yeah, and you know, all of a sudden, it's like, well, is that person really an expert? And you know, all your mind just comes up with anything you need to get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, change is difficult. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it we're is. not. It is. We know. We know from our own personal lives that change is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, you know, I'll just. I think it's always good to use real life examples. I was talking to someone in a consultation the other week and, you know, they were just talking casually. They weren't even thinking about it. And they expressed something that they perceived as one of their worldviews, their basic beliefs. And it was like, you know, I, I, you know, I obviously breakfast needs to be the biggest meal of the day and I need to have a lot of protein during that meal. And so I pause right there and, you know, I've been doing, counseling for a long time in the Ayurveda clinic. So when I, my first year, I would have been like, well, like, you know, that's not the right thing to do, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no more. I don't, I wouldn't never ever do that now. Right. So I just say, whoa, whoa, whoa stop right there. You know what? Where did you hear that? That simple question, where did you start to believe that the most important meal of the day is breakfast and that you need a high protein breakfast? And the person was like, I don't know. I think my dad told me. Right, right. It's like, yeah. 20 minutes ago, you told me your dad was a raging alcoholic and beat you all the time. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is a real, real life example, right? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I never thought of that. It's like, yeah, but we, we as humans do that. Yeah. We yeah. think we, we know something and it just goes 
unquestioned. Right. And I'm not saying doubt everything you know, but maybe for certain things, wonder where you got that information because the reality is, no, breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. Lunch is. And no, you should not have a high-protein breakfast. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The worldview is off, right? The worldview is off. But they were basing decisions on that, and then that's going to have a cascading effect on, on everything. Yeah. I think that's why you need to have you need to be talking to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why these podcasts are so great because it's free information of people just sharing what they've learned along the journey, you know, and it's um I thank you so so very much for sharing your time today. I really do. Um so where can people find you, Dr. Victor and, and Joe Rich? Where where can they get in touch with you? And also if you could just Mention your offerings, um, please, please do. Victor, Victor will be our spokesman. Okay, I'll be the spokesman. So uh, <laughs> we can be found at www.iiayurveda.com. So International Institute of Ayurveda is us. And we do the whole thing. We're an Ayurvedic school. We train Ayurvedic professionals. We do Ayurvedic consultations so on and so forth. So we're very easy to hold of. Just reach out to us, victor at iiayurveda.com, reception at iiayurveda.com, however you like to do it. And then um, we, we like to give a gift to people who have taken the time to listen to us. So Joe will do a yogic numerology reading for you. So just send in your birthday to one of those emails and he'll write you back um a numerology based on your birthday and then um i also like to connect with people and if you send me not only your birthday but your birth time and place i'll look at your jodas chart and usually i like to connect via zoom with those people for about 15 minutes and we'll talk about this kind of stuff awesome can you just briefly explain what jotish is in case people don't know what jotish is Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Enjoy Italy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will. We are and we will. Yeah. Come over. Come over and enjoy with us. We're dwelling in our parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah, I can tell. I, I'm totally coming. I am. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you so much. I'll leave the I'll leave the front door unlocked. Awesome. So when you get here, right. you can just come in. <laughs> that right. sounds good. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.